In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. The best marketers sell with story, and the best storyteller wins the customer. And the best stories are your customer stories. I'm going to give you the planner to create the perfect video case story for your business, just like we've done with all of our clients here at Authentic Web. Just go to eingarlic.com slash plan or click on the podcast image to get to the show notes and there'll be a link. There you can download the perfect video case study planner the same one we use at Authentic Web to create incredible dynamic video case stories and video case story interviews. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. I am Garlic, and we've got an awesome guest again. Um, today, we are talking to the founder of Stackify. Our guest also has uh, previously founded and sold another uh, SaaS company. And uh, we're going to talk about that, about growing that, about developing it, and about marketing in general. Uh, Matt Watson, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, so, Matt, tell me a little bit about um, your first company. Because, I mean, you grew a company and you sold it. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so I I was the the technical co-founder in that business, so I was not. I was actually not the idea guy that was was really the founder. I was the the technical co-founder that was uh, helping write the software. It would just happen to be at the right place at the right time, and um, got involved with another gentleman, and um, he basically asked me if I could help upload files of. Uh, of car photos to the internet. And I said, sure, I can figure out how to upload photos to the internet. That seems easy enough. And, uh, we started a business. Awesome. And it took off, obviously. It did. I mean, it, it so over eight years of time, it, it grew to do a lot of different things, but it was all sales and marketing related for car dealerships in, in the U S um, from, how internet leads are captured on a site like AutoTrader, and then those leads flow into the dealership, and how they manage leads and follow up with them, and um, you know when you come to the store, how you would interact with the salespeople, and how they would track all that information. So it was a CRM, basically like HubSpot or Salesforce or something, but it was designed for car dealers. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, and uh, man, that must have been fun to build. <laughs> you know, if you like cars, it was a lot of fun. Cool. Nice, nice. Um, so you, you, you know, that was sold, and now what are you doing? Tell me a little bit about Stackify. How did you come up with the idea? How and how, how have you been developing it? Yeah, so you know, the last couple of years of of Vin Solutions, we grew so fast that um, you know we went from having like five software developers to forty software developers a couple wow. of years later, and had just every problem 
under the sun in regards to performance and scalability and bugs and new features and all these different issues. And we just didn't have the tools that we needed to identify the issues, to get all 40 people involved in trying to figure out the issues. Um, so really just set out to build a product that, that helped that help do that. So at Stackify, we, we have basically five different tools in one platform that help developers kind of understand the performance of their software uh, and how to improve it. Um, the, the problem is, as, as I'm sure everybody is aware, people ship software updates now every day or every week, sometimes every hour. Um, and the more things change, the more they break. And there's a lot of risk every time you, you make a change and you deploy a new feature in your software, right? And the developers have to know when problems come up and they happen. I mean, just think about like the stupid issues Apple's had recently where you would type an I on your key your keyboard and it would come up with some weird character or whatever, right? Like it's just weird stuff is just part of the business. Yeah, yeah. That's uh yeah, I I can imagine it. And so you start this company, um, you start to grow it, and how long how long has it been around now? It's been about six years. Awesome. Um when it comes to Growing and marketing a company, okay, you developed something that you needed, which is great, and that you would want, but now how are you growing it, getting it out there? What are your key ways that you've gotten it uh, grown, Stackify? So for most startups, um, this is the biggest challenge, right, is you can build a product, but just because you build it doesn't mean people come beating down your door to buy it. You know, the... I always say the go-to-market strategy is probably worth 100 times more than the product itself um, because that that's really everything on, on driving the growth of the business. And that was a big problem that we had is it was an echo chamber of like, well, we're developers. We know what we need. We're going to build it. Mm-hmm. But we didn't necessarily – think through the go-to-market strategy very well. And we, we struggled a lot. We, we did a lot of, we did some trade shows. We did a lot of different forms of online advertising and none of it really worked for us. Um, it, it was been a big struggle for us for a long time. And, and then, so what, what have been the keys? What has pushed you over the edge and made you start growing? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we, we sat down and, started thinking through about all the different kind of sales channels that we could do. And and like some people, I think part of our problem was is we felt like there were so many different things that we could do. Like, oh, we could do partnerships or we could have – we have Microsoft as a reseller and we can do trade shows and we can do – like we can do everything. And we're like we're going to be a billion-dollar company. But the problem is we don't have you know enough time and energy to make any you know all of those things work. We really had to pick one and be successful with it. And we actually read a, a great book called Traction mm-hmm. that was all about, um, it was like the top 20 traction channels or whatever. And, you know, those involve like things like advertising or PR or trade shows or writing a book or content marketing. Like, like there's a list of like 20 of them and I highly recommend it. Um, and we, we looked at that and there were a couple that really stood out to us. And one was, um, content marketing, which we do. And, um, we can talk more about how we do that. But the other one that really stuck out to us that we, we, we latched onto first was something that the book, um, referred to as engineering as marketing, which made a lot of sense to us because our customers are engineers. And so basically what that meant was how can we build some sort of free tool or free product or some kind of tchotchke, whatever it would be, that people would like, they would come to us 
and use that free thing, um, but would help drive then sales and awareness to our paid products. Awesome. And, and what and the, what was that tool? Yeah. So our our primary tool is all around application performance. So we we collect a lot of data and provide a lot of analytics and reporting and monitoring and all these different things. Um, but there's kind of one key feature to that, which shows a kind of real detailed view of the performance of an individual request. Uh, within a software. So like when you visit one page on a website, it kind of gives you the details of what happened in that one request. And that's kind of the key linchpin to a lot of our software. So what we did is we took that one feature and we made a free version of it that the developers could use on their workstation. So basically as the developers are writing and testing their code, um, they could use that one that one feature to help give them kind of immediate feedback about how their code is performing. But it doesn't do like all the monitoring and alerting and all the different stuff where you have to aggregate that sort of data across, you know, five, ten, a hundred servers, and, and that's where all the flagship product comes from. And that ended up working extremely well for us. So we've had 20,000 people now download that free tool uh, in like 140 countries. Awesome. So we have a very... We have very international business, and about two to three percent of those people will then eventually buy our product. Wow, wow! Um, so, when did you test out other tools, um, or was it just right away you guys figured it out? We pretty much went head head on to this one and went all in on it. Um, we. We thought about eventually maybe we would build some other things, but this has worked really well for us, so we've just kind of stuck to it. Awesome. Sorry. And um, so you were talking about content marketing before. Um, How did that tie into this piece? Yeah. So just one. So one last uh, thing about. So that free tool is called Prefix. Okay. And um, we have about a thousand people a month now that still download that, and we don't do any advertising or anything at this point. It's all just organic growth of people telling other people about, hey, you should use this cool free thing. And I just want to throw out some other examples of that are like, for example, HubSpot is real famous for this sort of stuff. Like they have website grader tools or like SEO tools, you know, different things like that, that, that a lot of us may use because they're like cool free tools. But those are also examples of the same sort of thing where you go back to HubSpot and you use their website grader thing because it provides some value for you. But to HubSpot, that's creating leads for them, right? Mm -hmm. As another example of this. But so we, the other thing we really focused on is, is content marketing. And a lot of that is because advertising to our audience doesn't work. Um, Cold calling doesn't work. Um, so our, our audience is software developers. They don't have phones. They don't answer the phone, right? You don't, you can't even, you can't call them. They are also the most likely to use ad blockers. They hate email. They think it's spam, right? Like they're very finicky people about a lot of these things, but they all have one common thing. If they have a problem, where do they go? They go to Google and they search for it, right? So what we decided was how do we own Google for, for the, you know, key things that, that they're searching for. And we, we put a big focus on that over the last 12 months. So about 12 months ago, we were doing about 40,000 website visitors a month. And now we're doing like 500,000 a month. Wow. That's so we, <laughs> that's awesome growth. Yeah. So we, we draw, we drive a lot of website traffic now and you know, uh, a fraction of 1% of them sign up to try our product. But at that scale, the numbers, 
the numbers work and it, it drives a lot of eyeballs and branding and awareness and all that sort of stuff yeah for sure and it's a compound effect because the more the more people that go there the more people go there uh, and so what how did you develop this content marketing strategy so i've done kind of some seo work and content marketing for over the last 15 years off and on i, I did some of it in my my previous business and um we had done some content marketing at Stackify back in like 2014. So for example, we had one blog post that we wrote in 2014 that to this day was driving a lot of a lot of traffic and we would get new trials of our software just from that one blog post every single week. And so over the last two or three years, that one blog post always kind of stuck in the back of our head. We're like, this stupid blog post still drives all this traffic, <laughs> and it's not even that great of a blog post, and it's not even that super targeted to the problems we solve, but it is the same people. Like software developers are the ones who land on our site because of this thing. And we just kept going back to that and thinking, man, there's got to be a way that we can we can create a 100 of these things. And really what we did is is just focused on it and the way that we do content marketing is we think about it like kind of like two or three kind of concentric circles so like for us like the inner circle of that is like our our true product marketing so if somebody searches for these phrases like they are they are dead on looking for us they're looking for our product there's a high potential they'll buy right mm-hmm. and then kind of outside of that circle the next circle is stuff that's loosely related uh so the inner circle for us might be like application performance management or something. But the the next circle out of that would be things like logging best practices or um, how to monitor my website or whatever. So they're like loosely related things, but they're not like dead on on the target, right? They're like the next level out. And then the, the next thing we look at is like, so the next layer out in the circle would just be our audience. So anybody who's in that audience at all. And that original blog post I was talking about was sort of one of those. It was sort of just like the persona and our audience, but not anything necessarily related to us or the things that we do. Does that make sense how we kind of look at that in those three levels? Yeah, 100%. It's the customer journey, right? Right. And, and you just reverse the customer journey out a lot. Most people go straight for the kill. And they're and they don't think about further out in the customer journey where you know you you go from someone that's aware of that they have a problem to someone that's not aware that they have a problem and you're just trying to get in front of them. I, that's fantastic. Um, so in thinking in that, and that's a, it's a really simple way to do it. And I like I like that three circles idea. Um, so you, you you make up this list of content. Now, who's writing it? Who's doing it? Because, I mean, it's obviously you've got you're a bunch of software engineers. Are you are the guys writing it, or do you have a, a content marketing team? Yeah, it's a good question. So I write about once a week. Um, and then what we, what we had to do was get some outside freelancers to help us. Because, you know, so I've got about 10 full-time developers, mm-hmm. but I've only got one that actually likes to do, likes to do blogging. The other nine really, it's not their thing. They have no interest in it. I offer them five hundred bucks to write a blog post, and they <laughs> and they won't even do it. Like, it's just not. They're just not interested in it. Um, but we got one guy on our team who does a really fantastic job, uh, and our our support manager writes stuff maybe once a month. Um, our actual marketing team doesn't write any of the blogs. Ironically enough. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, so much of our content is so technical that they can't. Yep. 
that's the problem. Now, you know, as you go back to that example of like the three different types of content, you know, some of the more squishy stuff that is more audience focused, they can write. And so we, when we work with different freelancers, we do have one particular freelancer that writes for us like once a week. And the stuff he writes is more kind of squishy like that. It's less te- less technical. And he does a really good job at it. Um, but so for us, we have to find people that are experts at like different programming languages and different cloud hosting providers and things like that, um, which internally we may not even be experts on. So we we just find those different freelancers um, online, and a lot of it is just from finding other bloggers that blog in our space. Like we have one guy who writes a lot of Java articles for us. He actually owns a whole website dedicated to like Java online training and tutorials, and he has written a book before, and he's a speaker, and um, but he loves to write, and so he writes for us. That's awesome. That's a, and that's a great way to do it. I mean, it, a lot of people think they either have to go with one one person in, or do an internal instead of sourcing from a bunch of areas. And uh, that's that's a really smart way to do it because then also you get a variety of content. Uh, we do. So so we focus internally. Um, we have a lady here who's our like manager of marketing, and she you know she helps keep the calendar and chase everybody around and. Um, the, the thing is content marketing can be really simple or it actually be kind of complicated because it's one thing to just throw a blog post together. It's another thing to say, okay, Jared wrote the blog post, but now we need to have a writer review it. we got to make sure it has links to other pieces of content. It has a feature image. It's been you know tweaked for SEO. Um, you know all these different pieces you know kind of up the level of sophistication to it, if that makes sense. 100%. Yeah. That, that, and then you have to have those systems in place. And that's why it's good to have that marketing manager have someone on the back end. Because blogging by itself is, is if it's not optimized, if it's not linking, if it's not doing a lot of the other things it needs to do, it's just going to sit out there. Uh, yeah. So she, she focuses a lot on uh, that workflow and getting it all done. And, and we use a tool called uh, Divi, um, Divi HQ, which is actually uh, from a startup here in Kansas City. Um, they have a cool little tool that's designed for um, content marketing scheduling and like tasks and workflow. So you can, so like for every, let's say for every content piece, you have like five different steps you need to do. Like Doug needs to do the editing, Kevin needs to make the feature image, Natalie needs to review SEO, whatever. Like it helps facilitate all that. So we use that internally to help us too. Awesome. Very cool. So um, besides content marketing, are you doing any type of link building, a video content? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm big in video. Are you guys doing any of that at all? It's So that's a big initiative for us is to start to do more video. Um, for our audience as developers, a lot of them are probably looking to skim through stuff and they're looking for code examples and code snippets and stuff like that and yep. not so much video like they don't want to watch a video to see a code snippet <laughs> um but there are but there are use cases where we think video could could be very good for us so that's something we want to do more of uh this year the the big thing we're trying to figure out now is you know we get five hundred thousand people on our website who are these people um how do we convert more of them um that that's the big opportunity for us is we get so much traffic just trying to figure out how to optimize the conversion of that traffic is our biggest initiative yeah yeah i mean that's uh that's i mean it's great it's a great problem to have because most people have the you know they don't have the traffic 
right? And then they're like sitting around going, well, how do I get, I've got this really cool thing. How do I get people here? But that's, that's a good problem to have. And you guys have had an awesome, awesome content strategy. Um, are there anything, is there anything else that you're doing to um, optimize the site? Anything else that you've learned over the past year? How are, how have you seen things changing? Well, so we, we do, you mentioned link building. We do some link building. Um, we, you know, we do some of that through some outside services. We try and do some of it internally. I mean, the other thing that we see is, so we, we publish new blog posts every single day, uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week. Um, what's wow. the most amazing to me is to see those articles get picked up by industry, big industry sites. So for us, um, some examples of like Microsoft and JetBrains and Twilio and, um, some of these like big tech companies that, for whatever reason, liked one of our pieces of content and included it in their like some of the community uh, link roundups and things like that that they do. Um, that's really cool to see, and that's like awesome link building, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the best link building, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very organic, and there there's definitely some. Um, you know, the, the, there's definitely people in our industry that do those sort of like daily link, uh, link recommendations of the day. Like here's here's you know the top ten you know things that they read of the day, right? And they publish those sort of things, those kind of link roundup things. Yep. Yeah. And eventually, some of those people just start to uh, recognize us, and they kind of include us a lot, which is awesome. There's for us, there was one of those sites specifically. Um, that we sponsored them just a, a little bit of money to include us every single day. Awesome. Yeah. So then what was actually kind of key to that is everybody else read that list every day. So then because we were in that list, that helped us get us in the other lists, <laughs> I think was part of our success there. That's fantastic. That's really cool. So now, now you've, now you're talking conversion. Um, uh, are you doing A/B testing? What, what's your, what's you know what are you guys looking for now as you're going down the conversion path? So we we definitely need to do more A/B testing. It's not something we've done a lot of. Um, our biggest struggle has actually been trying to identify what our ideal customer profile looks like. Like where does that person work? Uh, you know what is their job role? What type of company is it? That sort of stuff. And part of that is a challenge for us because our audience is so broad. We have customers and we have paying customers in like 50 countries. Um, and then our free product has many more. Our website gets traffic from every single country in the world every week. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Which is really cool. Like yeah. like even every country in Africa and stuff. Like yeah. it's really mind-boggling. Um, software development is such a global thing. So when we think about who our customer is, it's trying to figure out like, is our perfect customer, you know, what type of company is that? How big is that company? What is the revenue? What industry? Like all those sort of things. And that's, that's actually a big focus of ours now is trying to figure out how do we, we talk about like site personalization and A-B testing and our marketing, who are we optimizing for? Because we can't really optimize for everybody because you optimize for everybody you kind of optimize for nobody yep right and so that's that's a big thing that i'm working on right now i was working on late last night is we basically looked at every one of our customers over the last uh year that signed up for a free trial and trying to figure out where do we win and lose you know what size what type of company what countries are they in so for example for us um in the Netherlands, if somebody from the Netherlands signs up for a trial, our conversion rate might be 25%, which is pretty good. But if somebody from signs up from India, it's 1%. Huh. And so 
from so from a marketing perspective, those are the insights we can use to help know like, okay, never in a million years are we gonna do paid advertising to people that are in India. So on <laughs> you know, AdWords or you know, Facebook ads or any of that kind of stuff, like make sure we exclude those certain countries. Yeah, yeah. And so are you doing any paid ads at all? We're doing a little bit with uh, Google AdWords. We've we've that's that's one of those things we've fought with forever to try and make successful, mm-hmm. and never had a lot of luck with. We have like one campaign that we get some success with. Other, other than that, it's like completely useless. Like the cost per the customer acquisition costs are too high. Gotcha. Yeah. For yeah, us. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, because I mean, I, I'm looking at you're not a super expensive product at all. No, and so. some of our competitors are, and so they don't care if they pay. $25,000 to acquire a customer because they're selling their product for a million dollars a year. Yep. Right. So we're, you know, we want our average customer acquisition, like per lead to be, you know, a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. They don't care if it's a couple thousand. So they'll outbid us and out AdWords all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think it's great. I mean, that you've developed this product and you know how much your, your customer's worth because I see so many people not really in startups not think about that stuff at all and it's so so critical um, but you know it, as you're growing this now and as you're getting out there um, you know you said conversions your big one um, are you doing anything else are you what what are you where are you looking at where are you looking to learn about marketing so another another tool that I, I want to mention that I really recommend um, that we were really hesitant to try was uh, browser notifications. Mm-hmm. So you know you go to a site and it says, "Hey, would you know? Can we send you? Do you want to opt in to receive notifications?" Um, and there's a lot of sites that do this now. Um, and then if you subscribe, they show up on your screen like they like pop up like a little toaster message on the bottom of your screen. And even things like Slack and Gmail and Facebook and stuff use the same sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can add it to your website. And so we use WordPress, and we just use a free uh, service called OneSignal that does this. And we were really hesitant to do this, but we decided to try it. And we now have like over 20,000 people who have opted in to receive those notifications. And what's crazy now is every day when we publish a blog post, we publish it and then we send out that that browser notification and then like immediately we get like 500 to 1000 people that will come to our website to read that article that we just published for the day. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's better than email. Uh, yeah, it, it that's what we found. Like nobody signs up for our email newsletter. Mhm. You know, we you know we have like a simple, you know, sign up form for that, put in your email. Like nobody does that, but they'll they'll opt in to the notifications. Awesome. Very and cool. So that that's like another little, I guess, sort of hidden gem that we found that has been successful for us, at least at some level. You know, it's all about incremental success at this point, right? Like every little thing we can do to lever up and improvement. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, I mean, you've got a great foundation, which, uh, you know, is solid content, which it, it's the foundation for any good marketing campaign. Well, the, so the other problem we have, like, so we've created all this great content for SEO, but we've actually done for organic, but we've done a pretty terrible job of doing actual like lead nurturing mm-hmm. and using content marketing for that. So that's another thing we're looking at now is how do we like so like so we've had twenty thousand people download our free tool. How do we nurture those people? Yep. Um, you know, so do we send them emails or do we? 
turn those into like a Facebook audience or something? And then do we run ads to them kind of every week or every month? That's kind of more nurturing, but it's a different type of content. So now we're not, we're not necessarily focused on creating content that's going to rank really well for certain keywords that we're trying to latch onto. We're trying to create content that is about the use cases and case studies and reasons they should buy our product, which is kind of a different thing. Yep. 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 And, and I mean, for us, you know, authentic web case studies are a big thing. We do a lot of video case studies and it's great content. Uh, case studies are great, great content, especially all across the um, customer journey. Video case studies showing people how to use it, where they ended up so that they can see where they can go with this. Because, you know, they might have solved one little thing, but now they don't see the big picture of what you guys can do for them. And with video, you can do that. And they're great ones. Um, yeah, but I see you guys are doing a lot of video, which is really cool and starting to ramp that up. Um, what are your challenges then on creating videos? Because, you know, you've got a unique market. You know, it's it's a cool little thing you want to show, but also you want to show these case studies, et cetera. Yeah, it's, it's just the next step for us. So in our office, we actually set up a little um, audio video studio and um, we started a podcast. So we actually have a Stackify, uh, it's called Developer Things Podcast. Um, and it's just for, it's for developers, um, and it's part of that. In that room, we also set it up so we could start doing some video. And one of the uh, one of my other friends uh, works out of our office here. He, it's, he has a real small business. He just shares a little space with us. But one of the cool things he showed me is um, he actually set up like a little video prompter. And so there's like an iPhone app that he has that you just like type up what you want to say, and it has a little mirror. And the camera is behind the mirror, and it's like a little teleprompter. And he tells me all the time, he's like, dude, you just need to write out what you want to say. You slap it down on there. You hit record and just read it off the teleprompter and record the freaking video. It takes you like five minutes to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are those teleprompters are great. Um, and it, it's good because – and I tell people all the time, you know, get good in front of camera because the people want to connect with people. Even with software developers, you know, they say they don't want to. I know a lot of software developers. They still talk about other people, right? And they, they want to connect with someone. Um, <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, do you have any specific content or SEO tips that you can give to the audience? What's working for you right now? Um, you know, we focus a lot on the long tail for sure, which everybody always beats that drum. Um, but back to what I mentioned earlier, like we kind of look at like the three different types of content and it's balancing those three. And for us, all three of those were for organic search SEO related traffic and then creating content marketing that's for nurturing is sort of a, a whole different thing. Uh, cause it's, you know, less about specific keywords that you're targeting. But, um, I, I think it's just, it's just doing it and trying not to, uh, procrastinate and um if your internal team doesn't have time to do it you don't have time to do it you know find find a little firm or that's around you or on the internet somewhere that can help you write these these uh these articles you know we we work with a local guy here he charges us uh it's like 250 to 300 dollars an article is what we pay him um which is pretty pretty reasonable i mean yeah you can go on fiverr and probably find somebody for five bucks that would do it but it'll be terrible yeah um so if you want to get good quality it's probably going to cost you that two or three hundred bucks um 
the higher end ones that we do that are technical can cost us five hundred to a thousand dollars, which is a lot more expensive. um, But it's just because the content is so technical, and we got to pay a software developer who can otherwise make like one hundred twenty-five dollars an hour consulting to to write a blog post. So um, you just got to find you just got to find time and do it and just get started. Yeah. Yeah. That, and so when you're looking at that, I mean, cause that's great. You're investing in the business with content, you know, and people are, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people are like a thousand dollars for a blog post. That's crazy. But you know, or however much for a blog post that, you know, that's, that's a lot of money, but how do you justify that ROI? I mean, we just look at it long term. I mean, if, if this is an article that can help us get, you know, one new lead a month, you know what is that worth over the course of a year? If if you if we would pay one hundred and twenty five dollars a lead if the lead came from AdWords or something, um, can we get one lead a month for this blog post over the next year? And oh by the way, this blog post probably lives on for like three or four years, right? I mean, if it ranks well and, and drives traffic. Yeah, and then you, you occasionally get the the blockbuster one too, right? <laughs> yeah, every once in a while. And like so, I mentioned earlier, like we had one from two thousand fourteen. That was really successful and got a crazy amount of traffic. We've since written this year, like uh, last year, we wrote like ten or twenty articles that now get more traffic than that one did. Wow, that's, so that's great. Um, I, and so, do you when you see these? Do you read all the articles? I'm I'm curious about that. <laughs> um, I personally don't read all of them anymore because uh, just have a lot of a lot of faith in our our marketing manager who does a really good job of of all this stuff. Um, but I, but she definitely asked me to kind of editorial review some of them sometimes. Yes, for sure. And we also have a, we actually have a proofreader that proofreads every one of our articles. We've, uh, we found this guy in Upwork or something. We pay him like 20 bucks to review every article and he, uh, actually does an amazing job. He's actually sort of pretty technical. And, uh, so we, we put a lot of faith in him too, to help review them. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I was asking, I love the workflow but you know when you look at the content i feel like a lot of people think you know this you know they make write 10 articles and they're like oh this is the best article ever and it doesn't work do you do you find that you know when you're seeing the titles of these articles you think something's going to work and it doesn't and more often like something that you don't think is going to work is or are you pretty spot on with the traffic um it's a little more hit or miss i mean it's at one point last year I spent a lot of time doing keyword research and stuff like that and was really trying to hone in on specific keywords that we wanted to, uh, to own. Um, I would say now we're actually probably a little less focused on that now because we're not trying to drive necessarily more traffic. We're trying to drive more traffic to that inner circle of people that are looking really for our product, and it's more long tail. So our article today is, is titled Proven Steps to Achieving – uh, application deployment success or something. I can see part of it on my screen. I can't see the whole thing. Um, and so it's it's more long tail stuff is really what we're focused on now. Gotcha, gotcha. And for those of you that are listening that don't know the long tail, uh, Matt, you want to go ahead and describe that? Yeah, I mean it's it's usually phrases that are three, four, or five words long. And so one of my favorite examples of this is like. Uh, the phrase New York, right? So like New York means one thing. Uh, New York Times is one thing. New York Times Square is a different thing. New York Times Square Hotel is a different thing, right? Like that's what's interesting about Google is you add another word and all of a sudden, all of a sudden the subject changes a lot. But 
you know, more so for our sort of long tail, it's more just people that are searching for those sort of like four or five long phrase things like, how do I do X, Y, Z? They're not just searching for like one or two words. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And so uh, tell us a little bit about your company and who should be using it. So Stackify is, is for developers and, and the best thing is just go stackify.com. Yeah, and so it's not for web designers or developers. It's more for software developers that are writing, you know, .NET or Java, you know, type code. Um, and yeah, it's it's any any developer in the world, man, that writes software. Uh, like I said, we got customers everywhere. Um, literally, if, if they have, yeah, <laughs> literally everywhere. If they have an application and they care about that application and the performance of it matters. And if it goes down, if it's a problem, then they need a product like ours to know when it goes down and when it's slow and how to fix it. Cool. Awesome. Well, Matt Watson, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, thanks to you all for taking Matt and I on our journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.